0: Section 39 of the Letters of Madame de Sévigné to her daughter and friends. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Letter 6, Thursday, December the 4th, 1664. At length, the examinations are over. Monsieur Fouquet entered the chamber this morning. The Chancellor ordered his project against the State to be read throughout. Reader's Note This was a project of resistance and flight that Fouquet had written 15 years before when France was the prey of factions and when Fouquet believed he had reason to complain of Cardinal Mazarin. The script was found behind a large mirror in his house where he'd abandoned and forgotten it. It was made the foundation of the accusation against him. Back to main text. Monsieur Fouquet spoke first upon the subject. I believe, sir, said he, you can derive nothing from this paper but the effect it has just produced of overwhelming me with confusion. The Chancellor replied, you have yourself heard and seen by it that your regard for the state, which we have so much insisted upon in court, was not so considerable but that you would have embroiled it from one end to the other. Sir," replied Monsieur Fouquet, this idea occurred to me only in the height of the despair in which the Cardinal often placed me, especially when, after contributing more than any man in the world to his return to France, I found myself repaid by the basest ingratitude. I had a letter from himself and one from the Queen Mother in proof of what I say, but they have been taken away with my papers, as have several letters." It is to be lamented that I did not burn this unfortunate paper which has so completely escaped my mind and my memory that I have been nearly two years without thinking of it or knowing even that it existed. However this affair may terminate, I disown it with my whole heart and I entreat you sir, to believe that my regard for the person and the service of the king has never been in the slightest degree diminished." It is very difficult to believe this, said the Chancellor, when we see such contrary sentiments expressed at a different period. Monsieur Fouquet replied, At no period, sir, even though at the hazard of my life, have I ever abandoned the king's person, and at the time in question, you, sir, were at the head of the council of his enemies, and your relations gave free passage to the army against him. The Chancellor felt this stroke, but our poor friend was irritated and therefore not quite master of himself. The subject of his expenses was afterward introduced. I undertake, said he, to prove that I have not incurred a single expense which, either by means of my private income, with which the Cardinal was well acquainted, or my appointments or, my wife's fortune, I was not able to afford, and if I do not prove this satisfactorily, I consent to be treated with the utmost ignominy. In short, this interrogation lasted two hours. Monsieur Fouquet defended himself ably, but with a degree of warmth and petulance, the reading of the project having ruffled him exceedingly. When he had left the court, the chancellor said, This is the last time we shall interrogate him. Monsieur Ponce then went up to the Chancellor and said, You've made no mention, sir, of the proofs there are that he had attempted to put his project against the State into execution. The Chancellor replied, They are not so sufficiently strong. He would have refuted them too easily. Upon which Saint-Hélène and Puisseau said, Everyone is not of that opinion. This is a subject to muse upon. The rest tomorrow. Friday, December 5th. This morning the subject of the requests was mentioned, which were of little importance except that there are persons not ill-disposed who wish the sentence to refer to them. The business on the side of the prosecution is at an end. It is now Monsieur Dormisson's turn to speak he is to recapitulate several matters. This will occupy the whole of the next week, during which the time we shall pass can scarcely be called living. For myself, you would hardly know me. I do not think I can hold out so long. Monsieur Dormison has desired me not to see him again till the business is over. He is in the conclave and will have intercourse with no one. He affects great reserve. He listens to me, but does not answer. I had the pleasure in bidding him adieu to acquaint him with my sentiments. I will inform you of all I hear. God, grant my last tidings may be good. I desire it fervently. I assure you we are all very much to be pitied. I mean you and I, and all who, like ourselves, are interested in the event Adieu, my dear sir, I am so dull this evening and my heart is so much oppressed that I must conclude. Letter 7, Tuesday, December 9th, 1664 I assure you that the days pass very tediously. Suspense is extremely painful, but it is an evil to which the whole family of the unfortunate prisoner is habituated. I have seen them and cannot sufficiently express my admiration of them. It seems as if they had never known, never read, the events that have taken place in former times. What surprises me most is that Sappho is just like the rest, she whose understanding and penetration are unlimited. When I reflect upon this circumstance, I persuade myself, or at least I wish to persuade myself, that they know more of the matter than I do. When I reason to with others on whose judgement I can rely and who are less prejudiced because less interested, I find all our measures so just that it will really be a miracle if the business does not terminate according to our wishes. We are sometimes only lost by a single voice, but that voice is everything. I remember, however, the recusations respecting which these poor women thought themselves so sure, and we lost them by five to seventeen. Since that time, their confidence has been my distrust. Yet I have a little spoke of hope in my heart. I hardly know from whence it comes, nor whither it would lead, nor is it sufficient to make me sleep in peace. I talked over this affair yesterday with Madame du Plessis. Madame de flessy the intimate friend of Fouquet, he had commissioned her to take his papers from his house at saint Monday, but she was not in time to execute it. She was at first exiled and afterward recalled. She died in 1705, aged 100 years. Back to main text. I can see nobody but those who will converse with me on the subject and who are of the same opinion as myself. She hopes, as I do, without knowing the reason. Why do you hope? Because I do. This is our answer, a notable one, it must be confessed. I told her with the greatest sincerity in the world that if the sentence should be in conformity to our wishes, the height of my joy would be to dispatch instantly a man on horseback with the pleasing intelligence to you, and that the pleasure of picturing the delight I should give you would render my own delight complete. She perfectly agreed with me, and our imagination gave us more than a quarter of an hour's holiday on the occasion. I must correct my last day's report of the examination respecting the project against the state. I related it to you exactly as I heard it, but the same person has since tasked his memory and told me over again more accurately. Everybody has heard it from the different judges. After Monsieur Fouquet had said that the only effect that could be drawn from this project was the confusion the reading of it had occasioned him, the Chancellor observed, You cannot deny that this is a crime against the state. I confess, Sir Harry replied, that it is a foolish and extravagant thing, but not a crime against the state." ''I entreat you, gentlemen,'' said he, turning toward the judges, ''to suffer me to explain what constitutes a state crime. Not that I consider you less capable of defining it than myself, but that I've had more time, perhaps, than you to examine the question.'' ''A crime against the state is when a person holding an important office and being in the secrets of a prince suddenly goes over to the side of his enemy.'' engages his whole family in the same interests, opens the gates of the city of which he is the governor to the foe, shuts them against his lawful sovereign, and reveals to his enemy the secrets of the state. This gentleman is what is called a state crime. The Chancellor did not know which way to look, and the judges could scarcely refrain from laughter. This is the truth, without any embellishment. You would agree with me that nothing could be more spirited, more delicate in its satire, and at the same time, more diverting. The whole kingdom knows and admires the prisoner's reply on this occasion. He afterward entered minutely into his defence and said what I told you before. I should have been quite unhappy if you had not known this circumstance, and our dear friend would have lost much by it. This morning, M. Domisson began the recapitulation. He spoke well and clearly. On Thursday, he will give his opinion. His colleague will then speak for two days. It will take several more for the rest to give their opinions. Some of the judges say that they shall enlarge a great deal upon the subject so that we have to languish in expectation till next week. In this state of suspense, we can scarcely be said to live. Wednesday, December the 10th. Monsieur Domison has continued the recapitulation. He has done wonders, that is, he has spoken with extraordinary clearness, intelligence and ability. Puisseau interrupted him five or six times with no other intention than to embarrass him and prevent his speaking so well. He said to him in one instance where his argument went strongly in favour of Monsieur Fouquet, Sir, we shall speak after you. We shall speak after you. Letter eight, Thursday, December eleventh, sixteen sixty four. Monsieur Domisson has not yet finished. When he came to the article of the gold mark, Puissot said, This speaks strongly against the accused. It may be so, said Monsieur Domisson, but there are no proofs. What, said Puissot? Have not the two officers been examined?' "'No,' replied Monsieur Domisson. "'Cannot be,' said Puisseau. "'I can find no such thing in the proceedings,' said Monsieur Domison. Upon this, Puisseau rose in a fury and said, "'Sir, you ought rather to say, "'I find here a very gross omission.' Monsieur Domison made no answer, but if Puisseau had addressed another word to him, he would have replied, I am here, sir, as a judge, and not as an informer." You may remember what I once said to you at Fresnes, that Monsieur Domisson would not discover the omission till there was no remedy. The Chancellor also interrupted Monsieur Domisson several times. He told him it was not necessary to speak of the project. This must be from malice. For many suppose it a great crime and the Chancellor will be glad that the proofs, which are truly ridiculous, should be withheld, that the idea which prevails might not be weakened. As, however, it is one of the articles of the indictment, Monsieur Domisson will not omit it. He will finish tomorrow. Saint-Hélène will speak on Saturday. On Monday, the two reporters will give their opinion. And on Tuesday, the whole committee will assemble early in the morning and not separate till judgment be passed. I tremble when I think of this day. The hopes of the family are very sanguine. Volcour goes about everywhere and shows a writing of the king's in which he is made to say that he should think it very improper if any of the judges lean toward the prisoner from the circumstance of his papers being taken away that it was he who ordered it to be done, that there is not one that can be of use to the prisoner in his defence, that they are papers that merely relate to his office, that he makes this known, that the judges may not draw improper inferences. What say you to this magnanimous proceeding? Are you not grieved that a prince who would love justice and truth if he were left to himself should be prevailed upon to act thus. He said the other day at his levee that Fouquet was a dangerous man. This has been put into his head by someone. In short, our enemies no longer keep within bounds. They run at full speed. Threats, promises, everything is resorted to. But if God be on our side, we shall be stronger than they. You will perhaps have another letter from me. If we have good news, I shall dispatch an express to you with all possible expedition. But how shall I act, or what will become of me in any other case? I am at a loss to conjecture. A thousand compliments to our recluse, and to your better half. Pray earnestly to God for our friend. Saturday, December the 13th. After having fixed and changed and fixed and changed again, it was at length resolved that Monsieur Domisson should give his opinion today, that Sunday might pass over and Saint-Hélène begin anew on Monday, which would make a stronger impression. Monsieur Domisson's opinion was that the accused should be sentenced to perpetual banishment and his property confiscated to the king. M. Domiton has by this means established his reputation as a judge. The sentence is a little severe, but let us pray that no worse counsel may be given. It is always glorious to be the first in an assault. note, severe as it was, the king aggravated the punishment still more. Fouquet's dilapidations were certainly criminal, But Cardinal Mazarin gave less and took much more. The licentiousness of the times and the force of example were an excuse, if any excuse could be made. End of section 39